Hello, everyone out there. Uh, <laughs> welcome back to Watched Once Never Again, the podcast where we, for some reason, just keep watching disturbing movies. <laughs> it's really so that you don't have to. I'm Dax. And I'm Mary Beth. And today... <laughs> We're here to end our trip to Australia. It's been really fun. Um, we saw some sights. How yeah. did you feel about our trip? It, it was it was a lot. It was traumatizing. Um, I'm ready to go home. <laughs> yeah, I'm ready to head back to the good old USA. Never thought I'd say that. Um. Yeah, so this is the last film in our itinerary for Australia. And do you just want to talk about this little ditty that you chose? Yeah, I <laughs> but I, <laughs> I, chose, I chose this. I did this to us. So this week, for our final Australia... Wow. Our final Words. Australia. Our final... R.I.P. What is happening? I'm like buffering. It's like... Ar, 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 okay. <laughs> I'm keeping this in. Our final stop in Australia is the film Snowtown or The Snowtown Murders. Which... um, Yep. What a way to go out. What a way to go out. We really ended on a note. I don't know what a, kind of note, note, but it was a note. <laughs> it was there. It was there. Um, so, okay, I'll read the synopsis in just a minute. But also just for context, that this is actually based on a true story of actual murders that happened in Australia in the 90s. So we will get into that more specifically in a bit. But... Before we do that, let me read you the plot of Snowtown. It was released in 2011, and it was the directorial debut of Justin Kurzel. I don't know anything that he's done after this, so <laughs> that's all I got. I didn't even look, to be honest with you. Also, is your house haunted? Your doors keep opening and closing. I think the listeners did. Oh, oh, know. oh, oh, oh. Oh, it's my cat. It's the cat. Oh, of course. Of course. Said the horse. Yeah, um, she's hitting the door jam, and then Steve opened the door to let her out. Yeah. Oh. Uh, yeah, I don't know any of these movies. Sorry, I was just looking at his filmography. Um, Assassin's Creed. I, I recognize that title. Um, that's a video game, right? Oh, he, oh, he did that? Oh yeah, yeah. Mm-hmm. Oh, oh, he did the true history. He did the true history of the Kelly Gang. Yep, which I, I have yet to see, but I have good things about. I don't know what that is. Anyway, okay, so Snowtown or the Snowtown Murders <clears throat> in the poor Adelaide suburb of Salisbury. Sixteen-year-old Jamie, played by Lucas Pitaway, lives with his distressed mother Elizabeth, and his brothers, including Troy, who rapes Jamie. Woo. Great, off on the right foot. One day, his mother's boyfriend takes indecent photos of the boys. When the police are reluctant to intervene, Elizabeth is contacted by Barry, a gay man who introduces her to John, 
John despises pedophiles and homosexuals and continually continually harasses the boyfriend via means such as throwing kangaroo's blood and body parts at his house until he moves away. John begins to assume the role of Jamie's father figure. Barry tells John the names and addresses of pedophiles in the area, and John creates a wall with pictures and details about each, including notes saying things like, I'm coming for you. Jamie finds himself slowly drawn into John's homophobic and violent tendencies, unable to escape his charismatic and intimidating dominance. On one occasion, John, aware that Jamie is being raped by his brother Troy, wants Jamie to stand up for himself, and in pursuit of this, gives him a gun and has Jamie shoot his dog. John, meanwhile, influences the rest of the neighborhood with his extremely homophobic views and separates Barry from his younger boyfriend, Robert. Only Troy seems to dislike John. Barry soon disappears, leaving behind only an answering message machine saying he's going to Queensland. John brings Jamie in as the neophyte member of his small team who bury men. Shortly afterward, Jamie visits his drug-addicted best friend, Gavin, with John, who takes a dislike to Gavin. Later one night, John and Robert take Jamie into the garden shed and show him the bodies of Barry and Gavin. Distressed, Jamie lashes out at John, but remains under his influence. When John learns that Jamie has been abused by Troy, he and Robert torture Troy. Jamie later kills the brutalized Troy in an act of mercy. Now desensitized, Jamie assists John in carrying out several murders. John and his team store the bodies in the vault of an abandoned bank in the town in the town of Snowtown. <coughs> Jamie is persuaded by John to lure his half-brother Dave to the bank building, ostensibly to look at a computer for sale. Jamie drives him to the drives with him to town, vaguely conscious of what he's doing, and leads Dave into the building, where he is met by John and Robert. Unaware of what is going on, Dave watches Jamie and shuts the door of the bank. Against a blank screen, Captions reveal that South Australia police discovered the remains of eight people stored in barrels in the bank vault of Snowtown on May 20th, 1999, and the following day, John Bunting and Robert Wagner were arrested. So, (laughs) I have questions. So, before we uh, started recording, I told you I'm excited to hear the synopsis because I feel like I missed some stuff while I was watching. Uh-huh. And and this was not even my first time watching this, mm-hmm. but for some reason, I totally misremembered it. Um, so to clarify the things that I think I missed, right? Um, I did not know what happened to Barry. I thought that character had just disappeared. Yes. Like, but not like. Thoughtfully, I thought that maybe the movie forgot that character existed <laughs> and, and they just disappeared. Um, and I, I still am unclear as to why the David was killed. Like at the end. I, yeah, I wasn't super clear on that either. Um, okay. yeah, a lot of this I was, like, I also with you was just like, are they just just killing people because they can? That's kind of what I got at that point. I just kind of assumed it was just happening because they could do it. And there wasn't much like at that point wasn't any rhyme or reason. It was just people close to them. Yeah, because there's like another character that uh, I'm unclear as to what happened to. Like uh, the woman who had the trailer in her backyard. I know they killed the guy in the trailer. I'm pretty sure. But what happened to that woman? Was she did she leave like a message or something and why 
Like, why would they have killed her? You know the woman where John was, like, making her strip in front of him? Do you remember that? Oh, Jesus, I forgot about her. Like, where did she go and why? And, like, why was the guy living in her a trailer in her yard? And was he a pedo? Like, I'm confused by that. Yeah. Well, I guess all of the, like, this is all evidence. That, yeah, there were like, parts of this that I wasn't, like, super clear on, like, what was happening in terms of like, the chronology. Like. Yeah. Because in real life, this happened over, like, seven years. And I didn't even gather that from the movie like i couldn't tell how long things were besides the fact that their hair kept that yeah being shaved and growing back uh but like my hair grows back in like two weeks so i don't know <laughs> it was just a little confusing i mean overall like i like i guess i liked this movie <laughs> um as much as you can like a movie like this but yeah some of that was just a little unclear to me and i think it is because like you were saying, yeah. they start just killing, like, I think that they have reasons in their minds, like, they think this person is, like, a drug addict, and this person is a um, gay guy, and this is a um, pedophile. Um, whether or not those are actually facts, I'm not, I'm not sure. I know in real life we can see uh, who was and was not, like, convicted of pedophilia and stuff, but... Um, as far as the movie goes, it see it does seem like at a point they just start killing everybody, and yep. it gets a little confusing, I guess, because it's a pretty it's a longer movie than I remembered. It's two it's about it's two hours. Two hours. Yeah, and you feel it. Oh, you feel it. Unlike the Nightingale, where we were like, I don't know where you would cut anything from. This, I was like, okay. <laughs> Like, come on. You didn't need this much time, I don't think. Mm -hmm. Yep. Like, please cut this. You don't need this long-ass scene. Like, please, for the love of God. Right. Um, So I guess let's start from me getting, like, why did you pick this? Like, what did you think? Just go into whatever you want to talk about. So I, I picked this because it's been a movie that's been on my list for a while, of movies I wanted to check out, but kind of newer on the more fucked up end of things. So, you know, it all made sense when we decided to do our Australia theme and, you know, finally make myself see it. And uh, Jesus fucking Christ, this movie is bleak. <laughs> yeah, like, I didn't realize you had never seen it before. I had never seen it. Um, and I, I knew it was bleak. But, like, it's not just violent. It's just, like, so cru- like full of despair of these people who are mm. so stuck in a situation due to, like, just the fucking way the system is. And, like, people who are poor are just fucked. And it's just this, like, really harrowing look at what that does. And, like, masculine and also have to be toxic masculinity and, like, these terrible grooming processes and just, like hopelessness when you think there's nothing left for you in the world like this is all that you can do and it's just really fucked up yeah and i feel like that's even putting it lightly yeah <laughs> and it it jumps right into the uh fucked upness 
you know, like it's one like of the, the first scenes is yes. the guy taking photos of all the sons. That's the thing. Like this movie, it's just like it's you see the sons getting molested by the neighbor, and then you see um, Jamie getting assaulted by his brother like it's not just about the bad like the bad guy and scare quotes jo- like john it's just like this poor kid is just absolutely stuck in the worst situation like he he has no relief ever like there is not a, even a moment of peace for this poor fucking kid no and and i think that the movie is really about him and what led yes. him to um you know participating whether or not he can really be held at fault is i guess up for your own interpretation like he was obviously groomed but like do you know what i mean yeah well and like so it's because so john john is this this mastermind who basically like i saw him as a cult leader watching this movie like he gave me cult leader vibes because he, in the film mm-hmm. he comes in and he is the savior for this family after the three sons were molested by their neighbor. The mom is absolutely, like, beside herself with, like, fury and grief. And so John comes in as, like, the knight in shining armor who's like, look, I'm going to rub my motorcycle by his house. And we're going to chop up a kangaroo and dump it on his front porch. And we're going to write slurs on his windows and ice cream and just, like, harass the town pedophile and, like, make him move. And he seems like the good guy. I mean, like, it's obviously deranged, but like at this, like you know, he's meant to look like the good guy who wants to help them, and then on top of that, they have like those meetings in the kitchen where it's like the townspeople come together and talk about all of the pedophiles and all of the drug dealers and everyone who's in the town who is like corrupting their kids or making things harder for them. But it's sad because like there's like it's a community space, you know what I mean? Like you see these mm-hmm. like moments of community where people are like all sharing how fucking tired they are of everything that's happening to them. And at one point, their mo- their mom goes, "We're all bitching, but like, what are we gonna do about it?" And there isn't an answer. And like like what they're doing about it is murder. Is almost like the response that the film has. Like it's like there's nothing that it's like this very bleak. There's nothing you can do to kind of escape that system. And that's, and then so John represents that like escape from the system at first. He looks like the good guy who can help them. He's got money. He's got like he can cook. He has like he's protection. He protects them. And of course it all go down, goes downhill. But like it's just so fucking sad to see this kid Jamie who has absolutely no positive like male figures in his life, finally have someone who wants to like be around him, only to be groomed to be a murder machine (laughs) yeah he uh he really didn't stand a chance no and he's 16 like he is a baby like he's just looking for something like some kind of attention some kind of love yeah and he's like a really mild-mannered kid uh very quiet kind of keeps to himself and uh like the whole movie is just showing how he is targeted in different ways and john is like a cult leader he saw that you know not only was the family a little bit weakened at the moment because they had just endured 
like an unimaginable situation where all of the kids were assaulted. I mean, it doesn't, the movie never says whether or not Troy was assaulted, but like, I think, I don't know what the statistics are, but it's highly likely that he was since he was assaulting his little brother. Not only was the family weakened at the moment, uh, Jamie himself was weakened, like demoralized in several different ways. So it's like John is the type of fucking, I, I don't know, predator who sees that and is like, oh, there's a family that I can go in and take over and get them to do whatever I want. And um, the mother, I think her name was Elizabeth, right? Yes. At a point, you know, they're having one of these community meetings and uh, John is talking about, like, how he would, like, kill, you know, whatever pedophiles. And she says something like, it's not even about that anymore, you know? And he's, like, yeah. offended by that because I think in his mind, he really does think he's doing the right thing. Yes. And at first, everyone else thinks he's doing the right thing, too, including Elizabeth. I, I don't know that they all know that he's killing people, um, but, you know, sh- they obviously know he's uh, psych- yeah. at least psychologically torturing these people. I mean, one one of the first scenes where he shows up is him on a motorcycle in the middle of the night at the door of this guy, like on his lawn at his door of the, the guy who was assaulting the, the three sons. And he's just revving his engine all night. So that's mm-hmm. a form of yep. psychological torture, you know, and they at least know he's doing that to these people. But I think once it starts getting into territory where it's like, okay, now you're just targeting people. Like, it's almost like a witch hunt. Like, you know what I mean? Where Yeah, exactly. How do you, There's no, no one presents any evidence that, you know, Barry's saying this person's a pedophile. How, how, like, no evidence is shown. John just writes it down and then goes and gets them. You know? Yep. And I, I guess we're supposed to believe that Barry would know. Because in real life, Barry was a convicted pedophile. So I think in the movie, you know, he does say, like, I would know. You know, stuff like that. But it yeah. never actually clarifies that he is himself a pedophile. The movie just only shows that he's gay. And in fact, I thought was I thought Barry was a trans woman at first. And that's actually not clear. You know, in real life, I think possibly that person was. I'm, I'm really not clear on it. But that's an, a whole other part of the hypocrisy of this movie that we will be discussing probably. Oh, fuck. I don't remember how we got on that. <laughs> well, I was just talking about like John as a father figure and like all that stuff and how this poor kid didn't have a chance. Where where am I going? Where am I going? You were, you were talking about how he's a cult leader, which he totally is. That town is now a cult. We, yeah, exactly. And, like, what what I noticed especially was, like, the shaving, the head shaving ritual. Yes. Like, he did it, so Jamie and John did it together, 
And then John and the other guy. Is that Barry, the tall guy, the redhead? No. um, Which one is that? that, They all kind of blur together. I think that's Robert. That's Barry's ex-boyfriend. Which I didn't even know they were dating. Yes, Barry. Neither did I. Okay. (laughs) But I found that out. They they are not clear about who was who in in this movie at all. No, there are a lot of characters. Which is a little bit confusing. Yeah. There were a ton of characters. But I also have a theory about that. But... Like the head shaving ritual, because it ha- so it's like I thought about it as a cult because at the end you see the little boy shave his head with John, and it's like it's the cycle is continuing. He is perpetuating this awful cycle of violence and making these kids feel like, ing- like indoctrinated into his group into his cult, and that ritual is how he gets them, like makes them feel like one of them, and then introduces them to the violence. And now he gets the kid super even younger than he got Jamie. So we can even further like program this kid to be violent and be full of hate and like just tap into that and not have any feeling. Right. And it's it's sad because this act. I mean, this actually happened, but like these cycles of violence are so like are so common, and it's just so fucking sad to see it portrayed like this. It's just so bleak and upsetting. Like Jamie. At the beginning, he's just a quiet, mild-mannered kid, like you said, Dax. And then as the film goes on, he gets addicted to heroin and, like, is just completely unfeeling and cold. And he just seems so resigned to his fate throughout the film. And it's just so fucking sad to watch, like, how tired he looks and how desperate he looks to escape. It's just so fucking heartbreaking. At a point, it just looks like he doesn't give a fuck anymore. Yeah. Like... At the end, like, especially. Not even, like, not even resigned. It's just like, he's just like, I don't care. Yeah. Like, you know? he's it's like he's dissociating almost. He just isn't yeah. there. Yeah. He's, like, t- completely checked out. And it's sad because at first he really resists all of the awful shit that John all but forces him to do. Like. John forces him to murder a dog, um, John's own dog, and it's so that that's actually a really great scene, not for animal lovers, but um, <laughs> I texted you and I was like, "This is a bad movie for animal lovers." Uh, this scene actually really got me though, but it's a really great scene to highlight how fucking um, this is not a good word to use, but I'm gonna use it insane. John is because John and Jamie are sitting at the table like eating food and John out of nowhere asks Jamie do you like to be fucked and Jamie's like what and John is like do you like getting fucked and Jamie's like no and you can tell that John knows something is going on with Jamie's older brother Mm -hmm. Um, and at that time at that moment John is like, well, when are you going to fucking, like, man up and do something about it? And he grabs a gun, puts it on the table, and is like, have you ever um, held a gun before? And Jamie, of course, is like, no. And John's like, pick it up. Okay, and you're talking about the scene with the gun and the dog. Yes. Um, Also, real quick, 
in the interim during our technical difficulty i just found out that my favorite character on the show that i recently told you i'm now addicted to white collar just died like right now oh no very upset all right oh what the fuck i'm sorry yeah it's really sad he's the best r.i.p yeah i'm gonna go um commit a scam just in memory of him oh it's what he would want how sweet (laughs) (laughs) i'm gonna do that scam uh have you ever been to new orleans yes oh no it is oh i know from sex in the city oh no i loved him uh what 57 so young yeah i don't know um okay oh cancer rip that sucks no i hate that Um, sorry no okay so you know in new orleans that scam where like when you're walking someone will be like i bet i can guess where you got those shoes you know that one? Oh yes 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 and then they say on your damn feet i'm gonna do that scam to someone and get forty dollars out of them anyway um someone <laughs> did that to me before I did, did you have to give them 40 to okay no i was like mm, <laughs> no 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 I'm no from no philadelphia no. you're not gonna scam me although i did get scammed in <laughs> wait (laughs) um i did get scammed in philadelphia and this is worth it (laughs) to talk about real quick okay um i was on my way to go see against me as i usually am and um i had just like had a really large red bull so i had to pee so bad okay Uh And no. the, but the venue wasn't far. It's just over the bridge, right? Okay. Um, it felt like light years away. He's <laughs> so bad. <laughs> um, so I'm driving, and this is a relatively new venue. So I'm not like I had been there a couple times before, but I'm not like super acquainted with like the parking situation and everything, right? So uh-huh. I'm driving up and on like right next to the venue like in the front um there's Uh this tiny empty lot and i had seen it the other few times i had been there and i recognized that on the uh side of the building or in the in the front there there was a sign that says like no parking like cars will be towed or something right Mm -hmm. but i'm like why would they just have a parking lot (laughs) right so um but, you know, the other times I just passed it. I was like, I don't even care. I don't want to deal with it. But this time, the day when I had to pee really bad, um, there was a man there waving cars in. And he had on, uh, like, one of those reflector vests, right, that all the oh. parking people have. And he was yeah. waving cars in with a flag. So I was like, oh, cool. They opened it up for people to park. And it was $20, which is, like, probably cheaper than the real parking lot. Um, so I was like, cool. Okay. Pulled in. I was steps away from the door. Cool. I go in and pee, right? After I pee, I have a moment of clarity. 
And I'm like, now that man, he wasn't waving a flag. <laughs> he was waving a plastic bag. And so, that no, vest I mean... looked 100,000 years old. I don't know if that was a real <laughs> parking spot. I think that was a homeless man. Uh, so I go up to one of the uh, workers of the venue and I'm like, hey, did y'all open up that parking, like that tiny parking lot, like for the venue now? And he was like, oh, no, you definitely got robbed. <laughs> and I was like, great. So, um, of course, there wasn't supposed to be reentry. Uh, but I was like, I was like, sir, I must move my car. You have to let me in, please. And he like, let me go. Uh, and I moved my car. So I had to pay again. Um, actually, did I pay again? That might've been the time where I was like, I, I parked really far away on like a very sketchy side street. Ah, that might've been that time. I'm not getting got twice. (laughs) (laughs) um yeah so that man and of course he wasn't out there like what and i i was maybe in the venue for what eight minutes like maybe including peeing washing my hands and um being told that i was a fucking idiot by the guy who worked there um oh yeah, yeah you definitely got robbed yeah and i when i was pulling in it was at least two other cars in there (laughs) <laughs> so i was like this man you know what you deserve my money because that was on me good good for him yeah i'm proud of you <laughs> actually love, i'm not I even mad i love that like you came out of the bathroom and you were like wait a fucking second yeah because i had to pee so bad i was just like awesome like you know like i was like i had to pee so bad that it like totally blinded me and then after i peed i was like wait a minute that's fucking incredible you're just like oh no well, yeah. that, made it, that, that guy made it probably at least, what, like 40, 60 bucks? At least 60, maybe more, and then people, like, move their cars. Good for him. But the gag is, right, um, when I came out after the show, those cars were still there. They weren't towed, and they didn't have tickets. I could have stayed there. Oh, yeah, anyway. that fucking sucks. <laughs> yep. Yeah. Um, yeah, that was a good one. Anyway, so the, the scene with the fucking dog. Okay. Uh, let's just pivot into sadness again. Um, okay. But the things I noticed about this scene, right? He, so he, um, John is yelling. So John, like, lovingly calls over his dog. Which has a human name, and I love that when dogs have human names. The dog's name is Kelly. Um, He lovingly calls the dog over and is, like, very sweet to the dog. And then just, like, turns to uh, Jamie and is, like, shoot the dog. You know? And he keeps, he, like, is escalating because he's getting frustrated that Jamie won't shoot the dog. And finally... He screams at Jamie, and Jamie, like, reacts, shoots the dog, and the dog doesn't die. But is shot, and you do hear, like, that horrible noise of a dog, like, whining. Yes. And then John comes over and is like, the dog's not dead, you gotta do it again. And 
uh, of course Jamie is like traumatized and doesn't do it again and John like uh, just takes a gun and shoots a dog right that whole scene just is the perfect way to illustrate just how cruel John really is yes for multiple reasons of course the first reason is that you know he's forcing a teenager to murder a living being second is he's forcing the teenager to murder a living a living being that he loves like that you assume he loves although he does say it's my dog and i don't care you know um yeah and he's like it, it's just like he turns off like his emotional connection to the dog so fast in order to like see it dead and he watches it die and then the entire time he's talking and i think this is in every scene he does not blink did you notice that i didn't i didn't notice that anytime he is talking he does not blink it's so weird weird it's really creepy and he in that scene he's really close up to uh jamie's face and he he doesn't blink at all. It's so creepy. And he's like wow. not altogether like a super threatening looking guy. Like no, he's not at all. Like a little bit, and he definitely has that thing about him where like, uh, he could be scary, and he sometimes is when he tries to be. But when he's being normal, he's not like a threatening dude. It's not like he's huge. Like he's a little chubby. He seems like he might be a little short. I can't tell, though. Everyone's tall compared to me. Uh, (laughs) (laughs) But you know what I mean? But it's something like that where he's not blinking at all. That's when you're like, oh, serial killer. Exactly. Yes. And like, again, he has like, he's got like a kind of a chubby face. He is pretty unassuming looking. Mm -hmm. Except for when he shaves his head, of course. Well, yes. Then he looks like a skinhead. Um, but it's, he's very, it's very, he's like very disarming in what he looks like and what Mm -hmm. he acts like and what he's able to do. And it's very off-putting. And the actor who plays John, um, what is his name? Was he in the Babadook? Daniel Henschel. He was! He was Robbie. Yeah. He was like the nice guy in the bottom yeah. book who like checks on the family. Oh my gosh. No way. I'm but so good. He this this I think was his first film like one of his first films. No. Yeah, that's what the internet seems to tell me. He had been in T V before, but he this is his first movie. That's so wild. That's and like he, a theme on this show. What? That's like a theme of this show. It's like, it's everybody's first time being in a movie. They're somehow amazing. And the nice, the seemingly nice guy is always the really evil one. Yep. Or the disarming guy is like really scary. Well, the thing is like, he hangs out with some pretty sketchy looking people and he's the least sketchy looking of them all. You know what I mean? Like, I feel like a lot of these characters look like they're covered in tattoos. They're always chain smoking cigarettes. They look like they've seen some shit. And then there's him, who is, like, relatively fresh-faced and, like, jovial when he wants to appear to be that way. 
Just wearing like a polo shirt and like jeans. Yes, and like New Balances. <laughs> yeah. Like he, like he looks like a da- like like an awkward dude. Yeah. Like he, he looks very right um, and he looks very clean cut. Yes. Not Especially- necessarily like uh, you know pristine, but he looks like a clean cut guy. Well, and like especially compared to a lot of the other people that you see on screen who are like a little more disheveled looking and tired and haggard because it's like they live in a bad neighborhood and they're like showing how tired they all are from being poor. <laughs> and <laughs> then there's this guy who's like, hey, I'm going to make you dinner and like, let's go have a birthday party and like do all this fun stuff and get you ice cream. And it's like, oh, you're nice and happy and have fun things to say and do and aren't just depressed and hurting me. Right. Yeah. One of his friends wears a full tracksuit the whole time. He does wear a full tracksuit the whole time. You always have to have one. There's always one. You know what I mean? One of these movies. There's always one. I think he was the one who used to date Barry. And I'm like, yes, I don't know if a gay would wear that outfit. Maybe in Australia. To say Australian gays might be different. They're built different, I guess. They're built different. But I think the other scene I really wanted to talk about is the one that really upset me, which was the torture scene of Troy. Yeah. So I don't consider myself a squeamish person, but I had to turn away from this one. Mm. Not because of the gore, but because of how gratuitous it was. So Troy, Troy is Jamie. I'm so not sure about how everyone is related to each other in terms of brothers, like especially the older brothers. I don't really understand. I think he's a stepbrother maybe or like a half brother. Yeah, Troy's a half brother and so is the other one. But <clears throat> Troy is Troy is the brother who is raping Jamie and John is like, okay, well, we're going to fucking kill him and get revenge basically. And so they chain him up in the bathroom and they start pulling off his toenails, toenails. Mm -hmm. And there's a close up of it, which really, Mm -hmm. I hate nail stuff really fucks me up. So I was just like, um, and then from there, they just beat the shit out of him. And then when they are about, you know, towards the end of the horrific torture Jamie walks in and his face is swollen and he looks he's unrecognizable as a person and they just start choking him over and over again until Jamie kills him out of mercy because he of the torture he's enduring and it goes on for so long like they don't cut away from the torture scene with the choking like choke and then they have him stop and then start again and stop and it just is this agonizing like mixture of sounds and visuals that were just so horrific to see because it felt so real it wasn't like a t- it's like more it's felt more visceral than like torture porn in that it was so real feeling and there's a huge train driving past my house not, um not uh Jennifer Kent again. Not Jennifer Kent. (laughs) But, um, 
you know, we've watched a lot of fucked up shit, but that really, that scene fucking got me because it's just unrelenting. And it's fascinating because this movie doesn't, this movie's very particular about the violence it shows. Like, there's a lot of violence, mm. but they don't show all of the murders. But this one, it's like he picked one moment to really go in on the cruelty. Like, really, really dig into it. And they mm. dug the fuck into it. Like, that alone is probably one of the most fucked up things I've seen on screen. In the way that it hit, like, it emotionally just hit me. Because it's not just the torture, but also, like... not Daniel, that's the actor's name, both John ordering it to happen and also watching Jamie cry and, like, come to terms with what he has to do to to basically save his brother, even though his brother's not going to survive. Yeah, it's, like, out of mercy. Yep. Yeah, that, I think that scene is why this movie is always included on the, like, most disturbing movies of all time lists. Mm Mm-hmm. Because it really is that disturbing. Um, and it's also a good example of what I was talking about before. Every time, so John is like not actually killing anyone, just like, you know, a fucking cult leader. He's delegating to another guy, I think the guy in the tracksuit. And like you said, he's telling him, okay, choke him. Then he lets him choke. And then he says, stop. He lets him breathe for a few seconds. Okay, choke him again. And the entire time, John is not blinking. It's so weird. It really creeps me out. And, uh, just, there's no way, like, unless you see it, there's really no way you can be prepared to, like, see how fucked up Troy looks. It's like, his face is, like, black with blood. Like, you know what I mean? Like, dry blood and then just, like, all of the blood, like. (laughs) trapped in his head like his eyes swollen shut yeah um it's like it's makeup where they're like it was it was almost like they took a picture of a dead body and we're like okay use this and paint his body yeah that is what it looks like it's so it's shocking it's it's honestly gross it's fucking shocking and again it is we've watched some shit but it is shocking it is and I'll say this. I so I've seen this movie I think twice before. Oh what? Oh lord. Well, I don't I did not remember it being as disturbing as it is. So I think that either I wasn't paying full attention, which is not very like me, or um I blocked it out. Because there was a lot of this that I just straight up didn't remember, like or I didn't oh. remember it being that bad. So, like, I didn't even, I did not even remember the beginning part where the guy is taking photos of the boys. I didn't remember that. I I remember them torturing, like, uh, like, psychologically, like, just bashing him. But in my mind, it was just because he was gay, which it doesn't seem like he even was. It seemed like he was just a pedophile, which is something that John and everyone in the neighborhood, they often... Uh, conflate those two things yes like you do not necessarily actually have to be a pedophile for them to go after you because if you're gay in their minds you are a pedophile and there's a whole debate in the movie about it which we can get to that in a second but um i also didn't remember the scene with troy being as bad as it was Mm -hmm. um 
so when I saw it this time, it was like new to me again. Oof. Sorry. Yeah. Like I remembered him being handcuffed to the pipe. Uh huh. You know, in in the bathroom because he's in the tub the whole time. Yeah. Um, which I think is just where all of the murders take place. Yes. There's a lot of lingering shots of people in the bathroom and in the bathtub and then the bathtub covered in blood. Yeah, there's a lot of that. Yeah, and basically John's MO is, you know, pull those people into the bathtub, um, handcuff them there, torture them, then have have them record, um basically like a goodbye to their loved ones like saying like fuck you i hate you don't call me or hey mom i met this great girl and uh we're gonna run off to paris i'll be back after christmas or you know something like that you know basically to get people to think they just went away or whatever um and then they're killed and as we find out later then they're put into barrels. They sure are. Which is why the killings in real life were called, I think they're called the Bodies and Barrels murders, right? Yep. Yep. <laughs> uh, God. That is exactly what they were called because they just found a bunch of bodies and barrels stored in a bank vault. What? I guess. Like an sure. abandoned one. Yeah. I, I sh- fucking, I guess. I don't yeah you so you mentioned like uh you know that scene seemed really realistic to you and it does to me too uh something i was thinking about you know during this whole movie was like the australian cinema that we've covered so far like with the exception of dead alive which is not even australian so just like ignore that one but the rest of them um they do really have that like cinema verite vibe to them don't you think they do they're very visceral and a lot of them none of the ones we watched except for dead alive but but that doesn't count well that's count but you know what i mean it, they're mm-hmm. all people it's not supernatural it's all just fucked yeah. up people they're almost like they're not slice of life movies, but they almost are because it's like almost just like a day in the life of these people, but not quite. Yeah, because especially the especially the Snowtown murders feels because yes. it is a biopic like it does feel very much like that. Like you said, that Verite vibe, that like kind of documentary esque vibe of just like you're a fly on the wall following this kid through his life. And like you're seeing kind of yeah. seeing the world through his eyes. And that ha- and again, that's a lot of these. I think the slickest one was the loved ones. For sure. All the yeah. other ones, you're right, very much like that. Yeah, like muted night- colors, yeah. just like uh really realistic vibe, like Yeah. It's almost like <laughs> how do I it's it's like one of those it's like he's like a slice of life movie where it feels like you didn't really write a story with like a huge climax it's more just like you wrote a day in the life of somebody a really fucked mm-hmm. up day in the life of somebody but like right. it could happen to anyone yeah like almost like uh like a the most dramatic day in someone's life but it's not 
it's somehow not that dramatic because it's real life. Like, you know what I mean? Like, when you go through, like, a really shitty day where, you know, you're late for work and then you get an offender bender and then, like, Starbucks got your order wrong and, like, like, boom, 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 boom. It doesn't feel like you're in a movie. It feels like, oh, this is a very shitty day. You know, or or even, like, a more dramatic thing. Like, uh, you know, you just found out, like, your uncle died. You, You don't, like it doesn't feel like a movie it feels like oh this is horrible yeah you know and that's what this movie felt like to me and like a lot of the other ones that we've seen out of uh our australia trip just fucking sad shit australia's sad man (laughs) (laughs) yeah i think everyone's sad but that's true good point we're all sad but I something I wanted to bring up before I I know we want to talk about um the some of the scenes where they're talking like around the dinner table. But yeah. one scene the one thing I did want to talk about is about the characters and like how there are so many different people and it was weird how they all kind of like phased in and out and it was yes. kind of confusing. So that stuck out to me a lot and I was because I read the Wikipedia page while I was watching it because I was like, did I miss something here? But I think my theory, and I don't know if this actually is intentional, but it because you're watching it from Jamie's point of view and he is like 16, he's a young kid, it's like you're seeing it from his eyes and him not totally knowing who everyone is and not understanding who people are and where they're going. And we're kind of like inhabiting his point of view of being kind of in the know, but also in the dark and being in this very weird headspace of not having a total grasp on the situation, but you know just enough to know that what you're doing is fucked up. Mm. Yeah, I could see that. I like I like that interpretation. It also just could be bad writing, but... <laughs> I don't think it is bad writing. I know, but it, it like, doesn't feel... That's why I was thinking about it, because I was like, this, this movie is well-written, so it can't just be that they just said, oh, fuck it, like, we're not going to keep track of where these characters are and who they are. I don't know, it doesn't feel like it, it doesn't fit the vibe. Well, to some extent, I kind of interpreted it as, you know, they're largely all the same. Like, they think the same, they look the same. Um, mm. Almost, well, in real life, John Bunting was like a Nazi, you know? Yeah. Uh, or, or maybe not a Nazi, but like idolize hitler or something like that which i think makes you a nazi but i, I would don't ag- know yeah yeah um but so like when i when i factored that in i was like maybe it's just supposed to show like how not diverse this community is and how they all just kind of are you know open to being manipulated by this guy because they all kind of feel the same. They don't really know what to do about it, you know? Yeah. But I, I don't know. And you know what? Maybe it is bad writing, but that just feels a little dismissive to me because yeah. the movie is so particular about everything like that. It shows, uh, and it's, it's pretty particular about like things that the characters say, if you can fucking understand them. <laughs> they have very strong accents to the point where I turned on closed captions and 
the captions often just said mumbles. <laughs> Shut so up. I, I promise. And so I would have to like rewind it a little bit and then listen really close to figure out what the fuck they were saying. Mm-hmm. Especially because, again in those scenes when they're all sitting around the table yes. talking about like the pedophiles and the gays and they're all smoking cigarettes and yelling and I'm just like I don't know what anyone is talking about no uh, yeah I I, and when you do find out what they're talking about you're like what the fuck like I could never I couldn't I wouldn't even be allowed in the room I don't think like <laughs> you know like there's a moment where they're debating over whether or not gay teachers should be allowed to like teach students yep and of course Barry this is when Barry is still like you know in the group Barry is like we don't actually even hear what Barry says John says that to Jamie you know Barry says that he uses a slur uh, teachers should be allowed to teach students what do you think about that and Jamie says I don't think they should be allowed which he you can tell he doesn't even know what the fuck he's saying because he's like a teenager yes um, and then John is like well what would you do with them if they were if you found out they were teaching and Jamie says I'd I'd fucking or kill them all or something like that which again you can tell he doesn't even know what he's saying you you can tell he's just saying what he thinks that uh, John wants to hear Yes. And Barry's like, what are you going to do? Kill them all? You know, you're going to kill everyone now, everyone in the whole world. You know, I can tell you where like 250 pedophiles are right now. And I actually thought he meant 250 gay like people at first, you know, and yeah, now now I'm thinking about it. Maybe that is what he meant, (laughs) you know, since they just think all gays are pedophiles. Yep. Thank you. This is shedding some legs. I think I, I, I had an idea what they were saying, but at the same time, I was like, I'm not entirely sure what was going on. I mean, I knew what was going on, but I didn't have the specifics. So this is very helpful for me to be like, okay, that is exactly what I thought was going on. Yeah. And then the, the next, they're usually talking about, you know, what they would do to pedophiles as you do at every single community meeting. And I think, <laughs> you know, when like at a point you start to be like, okay, there must be other issues, right? And then as you're starting to think that, one person is like, are you really going to do all this to someone? Or like, what are, like, you know, like calling John on his bullshit? And John just stares at that guy. <laughs> you're like, okay, well, he's probably dead now. He's dead right? now. Yep. <laughs> it's just like, wild because like you are like okay every everybody's talking like we know john will kill people because we've seen him do it but everyone else you're gonna beat beat everyone up like no you're not you know and just as you're starting to think that one person is like okay these community meetings are are a little out of hand at this point yeah yeah it's just like it's just an echo chamber and, like, it reminds me really, of yeah. how we all talk, like, about how we talk about Facebook today. But you know what I mean? Like, everyone's sitting 
in an echo chamber, all, like, agreeing with each other and just, like, spouting off their shitty ideas. And John is that fucking troll who's, like, oh, okay, I, I know exactly how I can, like, rile them up and what I can say. Like, I'm not going to lead the conversation, but I'm going to poke and prod at just the right moments to get people to, like, keep talking. Yeah. And it, it is, like, he's um, provoking them so that it, it's almost like he's, like, um, fear-mongering in the yes. community and does he even live there where the fuck does he even live i thought he's kind of moved into their house and was like this is my house now that's what i thought but because, i think he has his own house ch- they met at church yeah but i think he has his own place too right oh no they didn't meet at church does he yes i'm curious to know if his house is like in that same block like where all those people are from yeah. That's all. Oh, I because mean. oh, because Barry was like, I know a guy who can come help you, and so I got the vibe mm-hmm. that he wasn't necessarily from that area, but he ingra- like he kind of ingrained himself after he got involved with Jamie's family. Right. Yeah. So that's what I mean. He's like fear mongering in this community that he's yes. arguably not even a part of, and I think it's just so that when he is out and about, you know being violent and stuff that he can just do it yep. and get away with it because everyone thinks he's there to clean up the town yep there wasn't a stop him when he's writing slurs on a guy's window who who did who is a pedophile and that's the thing like he picks a case or picks the thing at the beginning that is like that guy it, it, categorically is a fucking terrible person and like did a bad thing and the co- and fuck the cops for not caring about poor kids and like that point is definitely made and then it gets, and then from there it goes into like, oh no, we're just going to murder everyone that like is a, has a perceived slight against society. Yeah, like you kill a guy because he does heroin. Yep. I, I was like, oh great. Love that like, perspective. Like you're killing people for having a drug addictions. Yeah. Like just wait till the mid 2000s in America. Then you can <laughs> just have a free for all. It's, it's just, well, and the whole thing is just, it's such it's such a horrifying piece about toxic masculinity and expectations of masculinity that spiral out of control and how, how like men, men in positions of power, especially over kids who are poor and like don't and are suffering from multiple traumas on like a daily basis like come in and use that power and say, this is what a man is supposed to be, but you don't have a man in your life. So here's what I'm going to be for you. And I'm going to teach you how to be a man. And this is how you can be powerful and get your way. And like, I know that's not new, but it's just fucked up to see how extreme, like the extremes of what you can be taken to in terms of like grooming and turning boys into these like monstrous creatures who don't know any better. And it also is, like, um, part part of that is, like, the desperate need for, like, a male role model yeah. in a child's life to a fault. Like, at first, he seems like a positive role model. Like, he's, I, I, don't, I don't even know. Like, I guess I'm trying to figure out what she saw in him besides the fact that he was, like, trying to protect her sons. Well, and, like, she, he cooked for them and, like, bought them food. Like, he used money and food to get to them because, like, obviously when 
if you don't have a lot of money, that's like the way to kind of manipulate you is give you food and money. And I feel like he like came in and made breakfast with eggs and sausage and was like being really caring and like just being around and being attentive. Yeah. But then like you see how he slowly breaks the whole family. Like even the mom at a point like later on seems like she desperately wants to get away from him and she just can't and she she wants her sons to get away from him and she doesn't know how to get them away from him and like you can see the sons who you know they used to be really excited to see him he's like making one of them like dress like a girl and stand on a chair and hold bricks in both hands like to see how long he can like keep his arms out like what the fuck? Well, and then she sends him away. The mom says, "Please yeah. send this this son away because he's being bullied, basically, and being treated like that." So she's smart enough to get him out. Yeah. But it's terrifying because you watch her like she she's the kind of mom in the movie who like loves her kids so much but is like very depressed, and so you know it doesn't. She's desperate for some way to like provide a better life for her kids, and so. You know, she was kind of, she was also kind of duped by this guy. And then you just see her fall deeper and deeper into a depression. And that's it's in its own tragedy in and of itself in this movie, watching this mom who is doing her best, just completely like fold in on herself as she watches like how, how sensibly what she probably perceives are her actions, how they're fucking up her kids. Again. Because uh, she was letting that guy into her house, and it turned out that guy was, like, taking pictures of her kids. Yeah, like, he was the neighbor, and it was like, hey, can you just watch the kids while I go do something? Like, it was, like, and built-in childcare. So free childcare, he cooked for the kids. It was, like, great. You know, it takes a village. You want your a community to help you. And then, you know, she can't trust him. But then she, like you said, trusts another man almost instantly. Yeah, and, and to me, it was, like, a weird, misguided thing where she desperately wanted them to have a male role model. Yes. And, like, I, this isn't, like, anything against, like, mothers like that or whatever, because, like, you know, there's a reason and a story behind everything, but um, I, I, I guess just... Being someone who had, like, an abusive parent, I'm, I guess maybe I'm more leery than maybe other people are, uh, like, towards adults. Because I'd be like, why does this strange man care so much if my sons are protected? Yeah. (laughs) Yep. Like, you know what I mean? Like, I, I mean, like, I'm not trying to be an asshole, but, like, I'd have been... I would have personally been like, oh, he must also be a pedophile. Yeah. And but sometimes that goes to I kind of that... wonder in the movie, like, oh, he was. Oh, he's got some weird, creepy vibes. Like, some weird, sexy vibes. Like, sexual tension vibes with Jamie, 100%. I think he's probably gay. And he but... probably hates himself for it. Right. Like, he's a self-hating gay. Yeah. But, like, with the mom, it's it's just, like, goes to show that, like, that horrific desperation of, like, what she think her situation is. And, like, again, we don't get a lot of detail into the exact, like, employment situation or anything. But you can tell, like, they live in a shitty neighborhood. 
they have like graffiti on their house. It's not a it's a tiny house. Like there's not enough. There's everyone sharing rooms. It's small, and it's it's like instead of being wary like you or I, she just like throws herself at people. Yeah, and that's that's scary in and of itself. Like Jesus Christ. You know what's crazy? Hmm. Um, I'm so poor that like. Until you just said it, I actually didn't realize that was a shitty neighborhood. Like, I was like, oh, that's like a normal house. <laughs> well, see, <laughs> the thing is, it. like, I didn't notice that either. But then, like, he made, like, Barry makes his offhand comment of, oh, it's a nice neighborhood. And I was like, is he joking? And then I noticed, like, it's like cinder block houses with graffiti on them and stuff. So, but yeah, I mean, it's not, it's weird because it's not necessarily, like, a neighborhood full of crime either. They're not trying to make it be, like out to be this like horrific neighborhood it's just a lower income neighborhood it's like the vibe that they play with shopping carts and crash into each other with shopping carts and strangely there are no people of color which is what i was saying before is like you know is the film kind of highlighting that by making them all kind of um interchangeable like oh the, yeah the neighbors yeah interchangeable like round of just conserve like in our, in our american view conservative like racist homophobic. absolutely like oh they took our job kind of yeah people. which i feel like were they talking about something like that at one point he says something about aboriginals but i cannot remember what he said i could barely tell you what they said in a lot of those scenes so they like can't overstate it enough very hard to understand very hard to understand it doesn't help that they just had cigarettes in their mouths too and i was like i don't know what anyone is saying yeah other than verna just hates everything yeah and oh i i don't get what her deal was like who so she was the guy with the beard's wife the really skinny dude yeah with like the scary gaunt face Right. That's his wife. And then he admitted to her that they kill people. And then they killed her. Because he plays the... At one point, John plays the voicemail that he forced forced her to record for Jamie. And so they... The, what I gathered was that they murdered her because... She knew. She knew that they were murderers. Okay. I was confused by that. Because... I didn't realize that they had killed her, but I realized, like, I saw that they played her recording. Yeah, I just figured whenever they played a voicemail recording, like, that really chilling montage where they were playing all of the recordings, like, Mm -hmm. those were all the people they had killed. Oh, yeah, they definitely were. I just didn't, I guess because you don't see her get killed. Yeah. I was like, well, where did she go? Or I thought maybe, like, um... Because, like I said, I was I was watching the subtitles. I was like, oh, maybe the subtitles like got this person wrong. Because uh, okay. obviously they were getting things wrong. They didn't mumble the whole time. <laughs> <laughs> Mumbles, great. I call Cosmo Grumbles. <gasps> Grumbles. Um, something I wanted to talk about was like the hypocrisy. Uh, both in real life and in the movie because it seems like they so they were like really homophobic but 
it seems like one of those killers was a gay guy. So, what the fuck? And then the mother... They never really say what the mother believes. Elizabeth? Yeah. But Barry she- was her friend, right? So, you see no, Barry because ba- Barry... Barry walks up and says, because Barry walks to their ha- walks into their house and introduces himself. Like they meet in the movie for the first time after the guy gets off, the the molester gets off on parole, basically, and like nothing really happens. And Barry comes and introduces himself to her and goes, "Hey, I know someone who can help you with this." I so thought they, that Barry they, told her that guy was doing that. The neighbor was taking photos. Oh, maybe. Maybe you're right. Maybe you know, I'm for wrong. a movie where we're like, no, it's not bad writing. We swear, we don't know a lot of things. <laughs> but it is a really long movie, and there was so much in it, so it's hard to keep it all. Yeah. Yeah. But basically, like they meet around the circumstances of her children being molested. Like, mm. it's like he introduces himself to her that way. I don't think they were friends before. Okay. That wasn't kind of the vibe I got. And the mom just feels like... She, the whole time, is just, like, chill with everybody. You know what I mean? Like... To an she, extent. An extent. Like, chill, chill being, like, she doesn't really do much. She doesn't fight very hard. Like, she does not... No. Like, John continues continuously like um ignores what she's saying like she's like i don't want jamie to hear all this and he's like no jamie you can stay and like if i were a parent and i just met this man i'd have been like who the fuck are you i said i don't want my kid here like you know what i mean but also yeah. i'm very confrontational but like you know what i mean yeah <laughs> like well i also think it's because she's like so used to being beat down you know what i mean that's like true. That she seems true. like she's so fucking beat down and used to just being yelled at that she just kind of exists this way you know what i mean like she just is used to okay sorry i I just look back she barry did tell her that the neighbor was taking pictures of her kids yes which i wonder how he knew there's like a scene where um jamie goes to John's house and um, looks on his like weird like <laughs> like you know those scenes in like conspiracy movies where the, all the yes the fucking and stuff? Red, yes oh and my they God. all lead to Barry's picture yeah because then they kills Barry because Barry's gay and g- g- Barry wears women's clothing so that's a whole other probably fucking red flag for John John over here so it's like it's like he uses he uses Barry to get information and then kill Barry when he was done. Yeah, and it's crazy, like that scene where Barry's like, This guy lives on this street, this guy lives on this street. Uh like he, he says the person's name, what they do that is like an offense, like uh is a creeper in a park who like watches the kids or whatever, right? And then says, This is where they live. They're all eating dinner, and then as soon as Barry is done uh, listing people, he, John, like, asks, like, who is this guy to you? And Barry says, like, 
we all need someone, John. And John gets up and just takes his plate. Yeah. <laughs> that's like the last time you see Barry, I think. Yes. Wow. So These people like, seriously do just like kind of like fade in and out of the movie. It's so yeah, weird. They, they're just gone. Um, yeah. And so it's like as soon as Barry's done being useful, then it's like goodbye. Like, yep. we were only civil to you because you gave us information, but you're still just a gay pedophile to me. Yep. Like, and again, yeah. it goes to show, like, he'll use people and he doesn't care. Like, no yep. one is, no one is precious. Nothing is precious. He doesn't give a shit. Yep. And I'm not sure that the movie, again, I'm not sure that the movie even clarifies whether or not Barry in the movie is a pedophile. So, like, he's... He could just be like, well, you're still gay, and that means you are no one to me. You know? Yeah. That's so wild. Yeah. It's like, so, this movie is something, because in real life, if you ask someone on the street, what do you think should happen to pedophiles? They will almost undoubtedly say they should be killed. Like, I feel like that's the general consensus. Yes. And, you know, I'm not here to say whether or not that should happen. Um, because that's, you know, that's hard to even talk about, really. But... Yeah, it's weird. I listened to a, it's a podcast I used to listen to that talked a lot about this. I don't know why they talked about it. It was the Guys We Fucked podcast, which is, like, two female comedians talking about sex, which, like, and it was interesting because... I used to listen to that. They, yeah, they had, they talked a couple times to people who, or they, I think they interviewed one guy who was a pedophile and was in therapy for it and was, like, recovering. And Did they fuck him? No, they were just talking about, I think they were just interested in talking about that realm of sex, like, that really taboo fucking terrible side of sex i think they just were interested in discussing it and having a guest on and i i don't i really don't i don't know i mean i listened to the episode it was interesting to listen to and kind of see his perspective and he had never i don't think he had ever acted upon that like his the like the impulses and stuff, but it's still just really fucking weird. And like, I don't know. I don't know where I'm going with this, other than like it's a really weird, complicated. It's you. You don't think it would be a complicated issue, but little more if you think about it for like a split second, it is pretty complicated. Yeah, well, that's what I was saying. Is like this movie does the thing that you say you think should happen. Which is kill the pedophiles. Um, But then it goes, like, beyond that. And it almost, like, raises the question, like, do you still think that should happen? Because it's, like, how do you know that if they are or aren't? Like, stuff like that. Like, you know? Yes. Um, So it... it I don't think the movie is necessarily trying to ask the audience that question. But for me, that is something that came up in my brain. Okay, full disclosure, I am somebody who has said before, I don't know how long ago, but like, 
Uh, I have said before, you know, just like electric chair, it's fine. Yep. Just get rid of a convicted pedophile. Just, yeah, no, no great loss, right? And then I was watching this and I'm like, well, I don't know. Because then we get all these like weird vigilante like dudes like this. And then also, I mean, I, I, the moment I'm thinking of when I said that was probably 10 years ago, at least. Um, I remember it was on Facebook and it was with my ex-manager at somewhere where I worked like 10 years ago. So we were talking about it back then. And that person was saying like, we can't just kill all our sick people, which I am not like even going to discuss that part of what they're saying. Um, but in the time since then, you know, obviously I recognize that people get convicted of like, uh, sex crimes for things that aren't even actually like sex crimes oh yeah and, like when people like, like pee in public and get labeled right. sex offenders for like pissing in public right or yeah like um if you have sex like in a park right yeah you, you could be put on the registry for that and then you could be like labeled a pedophile and does that like that person would then be a convicted pedophile does that person deserve to die no like you know what I mean? Yeah. Oh, that almost happened to me before. Oh, bo- oh boy. You know how gays have... Well, I shouldn't... I shouldn't uh, generalize like that. But you know how a lot of people in the community have, like, public sex? Yeah. Well, this probably won't surprise you. I'm one of those people who used to. I don't now because I've learned my lesson uh, <laughs> that I, the police have shown up a few times. Ah. And one time I was in a park and like I was younger, like I was like, what, 19? And uh, I was in a park uh, with my ex and we saw the cop like show up and we like hid it was really crazy. Wow. I have too much anxiety for public sex. That's a good anxiety to have. I'm boring. No, I don't think that's boring. I think that's yeah. <laughs> Another time, uh, like, I was in a car, like, um, in a neighborhood, and a cop showed up. And, like, fully, like, showed up, like, at the car, knocking on the window, like, Titanic style, like, it was, like, foggy. And um, we had to pretend that we were just talking and it was hot in there. (laughs) (laughs) Of course, the cop didn't believe us, but, like, he cut us a break, you know? (sighs) Weird times. Don't do that because you could be uh, labeled a pedophile. (laughs) Yep, fun. yep, all right. There are it. Listeners, don't have public sex. I don't even know if we'll keep that in. <laughs> no, it's just for you. Wow, thank you. I appreciate it. I don't um, care. I have no shame. <laughs> Is there anything else you wanted to hit on about Snowtown? We didn't talk about all the animal death. 
in this. Oh, I just, yeah. I had to look away because there was a part where like I thought I missed something, so I rewound it. It was the part with the kangaroos, and I had to look away because. Uh, oh yeah, and when he's like squishing kangaroos. them all up in the buckets. Yeah. Mm-hmm. He was hacking up the kangaroos and squishing them up in the buckets. And then they threw the buckets at the neighbor guy's door. So there was just kangaroo everywhere. I didn't like that at all. And then, you know, of course, the dog scene. And then there's a scene with a snake eating a mouse. And that actually made me scream. Like I yelled (laughs) because I got scared. I knew it was coming and I wasn't. So I was like, ugh. I actually wasn't even looking. Like I had. So I think I said this on a different episode i'm very afraid of snakes like i can't even look at them um but for movie purposes i will you know yeah but i cannot watch snakes eat any animal oh wow um oh god and especially like i love mice they're so cute and so like i obviously i knew it was coming the kid was like putting the mouse in there i'm moving to like abolish those scenes from movies we get it we get it. The snake's a predator. It eats the mouse. Okay? I fucking understand. The kid is the mouse. John, predator. He's the snake. Okay? Yep. I fucking I know. understand I was how like... movies work. I... <laughs> God damn it. Anyway, that made me... Like, I had my um, hand, like, kind of over my eyes, but I could see, like, a little part of the snake in the corner, like, at the bottom, and then it jumped, and then I screamed. <laughs> Very good. Yeah, not at the murders though. I was like fully watching that. Isn't that weird? No, oh, I think that's just the way us horror fans are. Like, oh yeah, human death, fine. Mouse getting eaten, no. It's like not fine. Like I was upset. Yeah. But well, we talked about this in episode one. Like we know that the actors know they're acting. You know, the animals. Yes. We don't know that they know yeah. they're acting. Yeah. And sometimes they aren't. Anyway. I just need to say that. Anyway, that's my hot take. Abolish snake eating mouse scenes. Yeah. Next next time I see that, I'm going to write a letter (laughs) to the director. (laughs) I'm going to write a letter. A strongly worded letter. (laughs) Dear Mr. Tarantino. (laughs) Oh my god. Uh, Well... Dax, would well, you would you recommend this to anybody? It's going to be hard for me to not recommend one of these movies, I think. Unless it's like a fucking snooze fest, you know? Because, like, this is a good movie, I think. It's very interesting. You're going to learn about this. The most uh, prolific and terrifying serial killer in Australia. In Australian history. Yeah. Wow, that's right. I didn't realize how... That, yeah. It's actually wild to me that, okay, he's the most prolific serial killer in Australian history, and he murdered probably more, but definitely 11 people over seven years. And I was like, that's not a serial killer. Right? I was like, this is a serial killer. (laughs) John Wayne Gacy with 33 boys and men in his crawl space. We make them different over here in the U.S. of A. <laughs> That's the one thing we got, for better or worse. Got good serial killers. Oh, God. Oh, fucking God. Any fucking way. 
Um, but yeah, I, I think I would recommend this. Um, just, you know, obviously with most of the movies we're going to cover with some caveats, if you can't see certain things, you know, don't watch it, but I think it's worth it. I think it's a good movie. It's like a, it's like a really good, you know, exploration of grooming and just, I don't know. I really like Jamie's story overall, like as much as you can, like a story like that. You know what I mean? Yeah. I thought it was like a good example of like just this fucking like dude comes in and ruins everything. (laughs) Yep. You know, it always reminds me. I think I told you this, maybe not on the podcast, but it reminds me a little bit of that movie. This is England. Oh, yeah. And I think that's part of why I kind of forgot some of the stuff in this movie is because I feel like I was almost like um, making it more like that story in my mm, head okay. where it's like slightly less like violent, you know? Yeah. Would you recommend this movie and should we do the Disturbometer? Oh, yeah. Disturbometer. Uh, well, I don't. I don't know if I would recommend this movie to people. I'm going to be perfectly honest. I think I think it's well done, but I also think it is the kind of movie that unless you like are okay with watching just like 2 hours of just human suffering, you might not. And like it's not like so- it's not like solo like graphic levels of suffering. It's just like the human like the human condition and like what it means to exist as someone who is in a lower like socioeconomic bracket, and it's just really hard to watch. Um, and so that's like the disturbometer. I'd give it an eight, both for the horrific torture scenes and also just like the despair at the very core of this entire movie. Those are good points. I I would also give it an eight on the disturbometer. It's very disturbing. Is it going to stick with me forever? No, I don't think so. But to your point, like, so I'm trying to think about it. Like, we just watched one of the most disturbing movies we've covered yet last week. Remember uh, the little movie, The Nightingale? Yeah, just that. And we. Yeah, and we were saying, like, we would recommend that movie, and it's longer than this one, and possibly more violent. And when you were, like, saying just now, you know, unless you can... I'm sorry, I I don't want to, like, fuck up what you said, but you you said, like, unless you can handle, like... Like, abject human suffering. yeah, Yeah, abject human suffering for two hours, maybe don't watch it. And I'm, like, thinking about the two in my head. And, like, if you put it that way, I kind of agree with you because it's almost not worth it. Like, if that makes sense. Like, yeah, I so I still would recommend it. But if I'm putting myself in your shoes, like, I understand where you're coming from, where it's, like, almost not worth the two hours of, like, suffering and, and everything. Like, the Nightingale is, like, you get a little bit of redemption and you genuinely get to see like what it's, what it was like for people in the positions of like Claire and Mangana and like kind of get some clarity, especially about a story that is not told very often like Mangana or Billy, like, you know, 
Yeah. In this one, it's like, yes, this all happens, and then what? You know? In that movie, there's a reason, and then in this one, it's like, this all happened, and then it just kept being awful, and we learned nothing. And they went to jail. The end. Yeah, which I think Jamie is due to get out of jail in, like, a couple years. Uh, I think I think it maybe said 2024 or 25. Oof. Yeah, that's wild. I mean, I, I don't want to put words in your mouth or anything, but, like, no, would you no. agree with that? Yeah, definitely. Interesting. I hadn't thought of it that way. But, yeah, there you have it. We don't agree. <laughs> Grr. Anyway. So yeah, that was this week's episode of Watch Ones Never Again. Uh, Dax, what are, we, what are we watching next week? What are we starting next week? That's a great question because we actually didn't <laughs> discuss this at all, really. But we, what we did discuss was for October, we are going to... I don't know if like lighten things up is really accurate to say, but... We are going to do some more Halloween-ish, like, fun stuff, as fun as they can be, with torture porn. Woo! Fun! (laughs) So, uh, some of them will be fun, some of them won't be, of course. But I think a good one to start with probably be the movie that everyone associates with American torture porn. Oh, there, there are two of them. Yes, there's two. Are we thinking the same two? Probably. Okay, on the count of three, ready? One, two, three. Saw Hostel. Hostel. Yeah. <laughs> yep. Um, I'm going to choose the not Australian one. <laughs> oh, yeah. I always forget that they're Australian. I always forget that. Yeah. So the movie that I was thinking of anyway was Hostel. Eli Roth's gore fest. Incredible. So that, what, hold on, what day? Hold on, let me pull up my calendar. So our first, our first episode in October would be the 6th? 7th. Yeah, so that would be on the 7th, right? So what would we want to do on the 30th? Or do we just want to kick off and say it's October's tomorrow on the 30th, so let's just start on the 30th? October's a state of mind, man. Let's just do the 30th. Right, <laughs> that way we, we get to do more Halloween movies. That's true. If yeah. we start in September and say September is now October. And I think we should keep this in. <laughs> so that people understand. You can hear us, us pl- our planning, our, our very, very thorough planning process and thorough decision making (laughs) nah I just want them to understand why our October movies are going to start in September yep (laughs) (laughs) I want a shirt that says October is a state of mind October is a state of mind cool I'm glad we agree on that me too but all right, everyone, thanks for listening to the most recent episode of watch once never again um you can follow the podcast on Twitter 
at Wona Podcast. Or you can send us an email if you have suggestions for movies we should watch, directors we should cover, all that good stuff. And you can email us at WonaPodcast at gmail.com. You can also follow us on Twitter. Um, I am at MB McAndrews. I'm at Daxi Bobbin. And of course, what was I going to say? I don't remember. So thanks for listening and we'll see you next week. (laughs) Bye.